Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast defining the experience of being a young adult with cancer. Each episode, we explore issues impacting young adults in and after treatment. Like what you hear? Have something to add? Come join us for next month's recording, the third Tuesday at 6 p.m. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life on Pause. Um, Today, Penn State Medical Center's young adults are joining forces with young adults from UT Southwestern Medical Center to come together and create our topic, which is a fork in the road. For many, if not all of us, cancer created a fork in our road, and tonight we're going to address some things that changed for us, ways we dealt with our path change, and ways our lives have changed since then. My name's Allison, everyone calls me Allie, and I'm hosting with El Green Roberto, We're happy that you could join us, and we can't wait to hear your stories. So for everyone on the call, how have you come to terms regarding the fork in the road that is no longer an option? My name is Christina, and I'm 29 years old from Dallas, Texas, and I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2016, and it took me three years before I accepted that I had cancer. When I was diagnosed, I kept it a secret until the cancer was gone. And then I stopped treatments against my doctor's wishes. And I had a fake remission for a year and a half. And then I had no other choice but to go to the hospital because I was pretty much on my deathbed. And went through a year of treatment and then had a 100% match bone marrow transplant. And at my first scan, that's supposed to show that you're clear that cancer had progressed. And at that point, I broke down and I realized there was no hiding myself from people until this cancer thing went away and that it was here to stay and permanent. And I had a choice to accept it and try to live my life as the new normal, which I hated more than anything, or continue to stay in hiding until it went away, which it may never go away. I broke down and I called my cousin and didn't know what to do. And she said, I should probably share it on social media and YouTube. And I did for a while, but then eventually quit YouTube because it's a lot of work. But I started telling people and I felt so much better once I accepted that I was going to be going on the same path that I thought I would for my 20s. Wow, that was real powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability in that. Really appreciate that, that you shared how you resisted and the impact on you and other people about that resistance. and how you're able to move forward. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. My name's Allie. I'm 21. I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma as well as Christina in 2019. And I would say like the same as Christina, I had like a real problem with accepting it. I was kind of like, okay, like, all right, I'll do chemo. Okay. I'll get a port. I'll do this. Like just kind of like slowly walking down the road, not like, you know, sprinting like most people would when you tell them they have cancer. I was like, ah, yeah, we'll just, we'll walk through this treatment. Everything will be fine. But I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, you can't turn around. You know, it's one way you got to go. And that's kind of when I realized that I wasn't able to preserve any eggs or do any, like anything to help my fertility. And that you know, that's hard because I, I could have been like, no, I don't want to do treatment because I want to stop and 
maybe pr- like preserve my eggs, spend two months trying to preserve eggs or, or start my treatment and have a better chance. So I, I chose to have a better chance, but it was a fork I came to and really caused me, um, a dilemma. I'm Sam, 28. I was diagnosed with a brain tumor back in 2014 at the age of 20. And um, at the time I was, you know, in college studying to become a sports journalist. But um, but the brain tumor was kind of weird because my wife had already come to a pause because I realized not it's the, the life on pause t- title of the podcast. But anyway, because with the, the brain tumor, it it was affecting me without me realizing it was the brain tumor, you know, depression, fatigue, and all that stuff. Because just, you know, brain tumors, they mess with your brain chemistry. So I'd already t- kind of decided to take a, like a year off from, from school. Because the, what the brain tumor was doing is I was a commuter student to SMU here in Dallas. And uh, I was literally like sleeping through classes. Like I'd have like an early class and a late class and that to go to the early class. And then I'd go to my car and just take naps and nap through the class, not realizing that the brain tumor was literally just sapping all energy I had. And so I ended up having to take two years off from school and transferring schools and coming to terms with the fact that studying to be a journalist was not energy I had at the moment. And I was so determined just to complete my degree. So I switched to an English degree and went to UNT, graduated from there. And yeah, it's it's rough because, you know, I'd still like, because I mean, I transferred to SMU from Missouri and I was watching these people like literally accomplish the exact things I had in mind as a career. And not that I'm jealous of them, but there's just kind of like what, what could have been had it not been for the tumor. So there's an aspect of having to kind of like accept where you are and not be upset about it and not be depressed about it because, you know, I, I'm not in a bad place, but also having to also accept the fact that there is an alternate path that could have happened had it not been for the brain tumor. And, you know, still dealing with the after effects of the brain tumor because it was literally like surgery took a piece of my brain out and like it affects my my energy levels and I can't, you know, I have to get a lot more sleep than I did pre-tumor. But yeah, that's my take on it. That's my experience up to this point. Um, I'm Katie Clark and um, I am from Dallas, Texas. I live in Denton, Texas, which is where UNT is, Sam. I can definitely relate to what Allie was saying about her fork in the road. Like, oh, I'll go along with it. I'll get the chemo or I'll get the port. You just kind of go along with it. So I think my fork in the road happened a little bit later than the initial, I don't know if it was shock, but well, I guess I should say, first of all, I was diagnosed with stage 2B breast cancer in 2016 at the age of 26. I also had a previous cancer at the age of 14 in 2002, and it was stage one melanoma. I didn't realize the gravity of it at first. So when my doctor initially found a lump, I did not go get the mammogram. I had put it off for five weeks until I guess I must have accidentally mentioned it to someone and they realized, hey, this isn't right. Um, That doesn't sound normal. So I was kind of pressured to go to the, the mammogram. But as it was happening, I remember 
what comes to mind is I took a picture on my first chemo day outside of the chemo building. And I was like jumping in the air. And I was basically saying like, this is no big deal. So I don't think I realized my fork until much later. And I don't know if other people have experienced that, but it really set in probably two years later that I'm not on the same path. And it was really eye-opening, but um, it was just interesting how that all played out, how my fork was much later. I uh, I completely agree with you, Katie. Um, my name is Katie as well, um, and I am a brain tumor patient like Sam. I live in Dallas. And I think for me, I was diagnosed incidentally. Um, I was in a car wreck, kind of fender bender of a car wreck. And I thought I had a concussion from hitting on the headrest. And so I was scanned and that's how the tumor was found. Um, I'm not like a typical patient where you have like neurological symptoms or seizures or things like that. And so I think for me, kind of, like Katie was saying, and like Allie was saying, like, I kind of went through those same like motions of like, I was told to get a scan every month and we were monitoring me and we were monitoring me just to kind of check and see if like the spot was growing. And then they did a biopsy and formally diagnosed it about, I think eight months later, but I went through this whole big period of time where it was kind of like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. Like I'm a normal 28 year old. Um, I'm 35 now. But it was just like a complete kind of like, y'all are asking me to like swallow this pill and I don't think I have it. <laughs> like, I don't think there's anything wrong with me. And I think that that's still something that like, even after having it biopsied and then monitored, and then I did end up going through chemo and radiation, it's still something that I definitely have like days where I'm kind of like, okay, everything's fine. Nothing is going on. And then a couple months later, a scan will come up and it'll, kind of rear it's ugly like oh yeah you still have this and it's still something that I am working through so that's cancer (laughs) hi everyone I'm I'm Casey what I was going to say was um we had a doctor at Penn State that she had posed the question before did you grieve the self you were going to be and I just thought that was a really interesting question that I had never never thought of before and I think it's, you know, similar to, to what the Katie's were saying. You get a few years in and, and you realize that things are permanently different. And so I just always found that question interesting to reflect back on letting go of who you were supposed to be. And I just thought that was a really well-posed question that uh, she asked our group. I think it was a few years ago at this point. Um, so I try to share that one again. Hi, I'm Rachel, 39. Plano, Texas, and I was diagnosed in 2019 with triple negative breast cancer. For me, I didn't get that pause as far as like further down the road, like having to accept that. It was almost immediate for me, but I had also just lost my mom a year and a half before I got diagnosed. So, like, I knew the severity of a cancer diagnosis. So, I knew that my life was completely changed at that point. And, but I also knew that I would get to change the things I didn't like about my current life, which there was a lot because I 
felt like I needed this purpose that was going to be world changing. And I was able to get to a place where like existing is enough. And so it was eventually, once you go through all the stages of grieving, losing your previous self, you can have that perspective. Thank you, Rachel, for sharing. Thank you for everyone who shared. And we're going to move on to the next question that Allie's going to lead us in. Going off of what Casey said before we start the next question, that's like, that's a really, that question. I mean, my therapist will be hearing about that. I'll let you know. But <laughs> that was deep. Like, I did not grieve myself until a year or two after chemo, even after treatment, after radiation, after chemo, because I was just holding on so tight. So that was a good thought, Casey. So I'm going to move on. When comparing your old route to your new route, what are some positive differences? So for example, my old route, I was in North Carolina in college. I was having family troubles and um, wasn't really interested in fixing them and wasn't really interested in a lot of things. And positive differences is my new route. I, you know, have mended those relationships. I'm still on the same career path I wanted to be on. Um, I just have a better support system and I have, I would say, a better love for life, more grateful for every day that I have. Uh, Ali, I can echo that. My name is Elbrie Heard. I was diagnosed with a, a neuroendocrine tumor in the pancreas back in 2009. So it's been, it's been a minute. But when I think about this question, I think for me, I wasn't I wasn't really living my life, kind of what Ali was talking. I was kind of just existing. I worked a job that I liked, that paid well, but my life was sitting around my job. So even on vacation times, I was still like checking emails for work and doing things like that and being with family, but not actually being engaged with family and things that I was interested in doing that didn't relate to work, always finding reasons to put them off. And I think after the diagnosis and after, after the treatment, the surgery, I think it was very much intentional about how can I make the most of my time? Because I guess I just really started realizing that I don't know what my end date is. And I was operating like I had this, you know, decades long, but there was no certainty in that. And so it really pushed me to be more intentional with my time. So I think honestly, had it not happened, I don't think I would have poured into my kids like I do. I don't think I would have poured into my marriage or even to my community. I think I would have been kind of a slave to my job. So it's one of those things where it was a painful thing. It was a hard thing, but the aftermath of it was really beautiful. And so it was something that I think about daily and I try to celebrate daily because tomorrow is not promised and your abilities of what you can do today are promised tomorrow. So I really try to hold on to that and try to operate on a daily basis with that. I'm Kayla and I completely agree that like, the whole cancer experience kind of changed me. Like I was only 15 when I was diagnosed. So I didn't really have like a life plan yet or anything like that. But when I went through treatment, I had um, Hodgkin's lymphoma. I started writing because I didn't want to tell people how I was. Like I was getting tired of people asking me. So I was like, I'm just going to write a blog and that's going to be how people will know what's going on with me. So I did that and I fell in love with writing. Like I now I'm in the middle of like, 12 novels. Um, and I just, that's what I do. I went to college for journalism. I started my whole honors project around my writing and like my cancer experience. And now I'm working in 
four diamonds as like doing communication stuff. So while the whole cancer experience absolutely sucked and like, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It gave me, I think my purpose in life and helped me find the thing that I want to do. So I was actually talking about today and it's something that like, I'm really grateful for because writing is like my whole life now. It's what I love to do. It's awesome. Glad you could find your purpose. Glad cancer could give you something positive and not just uh, a painful experience. I would have to agree. My name's Roberto. I got diagnosed with rectal cancer back in 2019. Yeah, oh, I'm from Dallas, Texas. As far as I can pretty much agree with a level with to a certain degree with almost everything that everyone has already said at this point. I run a lot. I can still run now. Like I run marathons and I have, I ran my first marathon since getting diagnosed three years ago back in January, which was awesome. But like this, I used to take running for granted. When I got diagnosed, I became very inactive. Like I'd walk once a week and I took it for granted. And now like I'm having to work to get my body back and I won't ever be the same, but I appreciate it more now. And when I was like building my running back up, I would go a lot slower than I used to. And it gave me the opportunity to run with people I wouldn't normally run with. And I just appreciated it more. You know, also, I kind of came to love myself more. I used to be super self-critical about my body and how I felt. But it's like, honestly, I'm just happy to be alive. My body is how it is. Hopefully, it'll get better. But I'm just happy to be here. And I like connecting people. And like, unfortunately, you know, I got cancer. And it's like, what do I say? You know, you hate that you got cancer, but you love your cancer family. It's like, we hate you that you're here, we hate you that you're here with us, but we love you all the same. Um, so being able to do stuff like this and help support people the way that I was supported um, has really meant a lot to me in the last couple of years, you know, within the young adult and in the colorectal community. Um, so that having cancer sucked, but I'm glad that I'm able to use my personality and stuff and support other people like I've been supporting because that really is a good thing for me. I have to agree with what everybody has said, Roberto, Elgari, and Kayla. It's definitely made me more present and intentional with each day. And I realize how much I took for granted before cancer too. I can definitely see that I'm more intentional about my relationships and my friendships with people. And also just more empathetic to what someone's going through, whether it's big or small, my empathy is so great now. And I like that. I agree. I work in healthcare as well. I'm a dietitian, And I feel like being a patient gives you a totally different perspective of like what our patient, I mean, what my patients are going through, how you're greeting them, how you kind of even walk into the room can change somebody's day. So I think that that's just super helpful to remember. I would say that's another positive difference in my in my path as well, Katie, because I'm a nursing student. I'll be an RN hopefully in August. And I definitely like, I've always known I wanted to be a nurse and I have always been an empathetic person. But I think definitely like since being on the other side of the needle, being the patient, not the provider or the nurse or anybody who's in healthcare, you really get that. You get to see both sides. So I really think that makes me um, stand out because I know what it feels like. And I'm definitely like a big patient advocate just because of this. Like 
I'm all for like, I'm not living in their body. Who am I to say what they're feeling, what they're not feeling, what's going on? You know, it's not my job to guess that. It's just my job to treat that. Yeah. So that definitely made a big difference in the way that I view things. I think a lot of good things have happened since cancer that I didn't even realize until the question was asked. But when I was first diagnosed, I had seen four doctors. So by the time I was told I had cancer, it was stage 4B and I was extremely sick. But I had also just started my job like a month ago. So the insurance said that I knew that I had cancer and that I just waited until I got my job so I could get the benefits. And he said I was a liar. So he withheld the money the entire time I was getting treatment. So I lived with my grandma. And because I had no money, I started a couple things online to try and make some money. So I created an Etsy account and Poshmark to sell clothes and Fiverr to do resume consultations. And now all three are still doing pretty decent, especially resume consulting. And I just made a website last year and I was trying to get my DBA and everything set up, but um, then the cancer came back. But it just helped me to feel empowered to make my own money. And I really don't want to rely on an employer or anyone else to give me my income and say what I can and cannot have. That was an awful feeling, but that's something really good that's come out of that. I learned so much during that time. I learned how to sew and watercolor and refurbish furniture. Like I did pieces I have in my apartment now. So learned how to bake, like all that time spent was really useful. Thank you for sharing that, Christina. I'm going to go ahead and ask the next question. Honestly, a couple of you already touched on it when you were talking about the fork in the road earlier. But I guess I was kind of wondering, you know, what the timeline was as far as how long it took for you to come to an understanding that your life was different and uh, for y'all to accept it. I was pretty far down that road. Like I was quite a ways before I came to terms with it. I would even say that you like coming to terms with it and like reconciling your feelings are so far apart as well. So I, every single piece of my hair fall out, um, except for like a little patch right here that on my last chemo, I, my two or right before my last chemo, I let my aunt shave. So that's how in denial I was like, not in denial, but I was like, Oh, like my hair, my hair's not thinning. No, it's not. It's it's fine. No, that's good. And then once I kind of shaved it, I was like, oh, this sucks. I have cancer. And then I did I did my last chemo and did radiation. And I think that like that's when my journey started for me to be like, this is a different me. I think I was even further than Allie almost because during chemo, I had my friend who's a hairdresser shave my head and um, she made it super fun. And then like, I went to Nordstrom to the makeup counter and I asked them to do my makeup (laughs) and I was like pretending to be Britney Spears or something. Like, I, I just don't think it hit me until probably like two years after chemo because I, I was just starting to experience the negative effects, like shortness of breath, weight gain. I was, it hit me like, I can't reverse this. So I think it was about two years for me. And even now I still struggle with the after effects of chemotherapy. So I'm still stuck in that mindset. Whereas like the first two years, I almost, 
embraced it and I didn't really have very many side effects from chemo yet besides the normal few days after. I was pretty far down the road too, Allie. Casey here. Something I would say, I don't, I don't know if I can think of the exact timing of when this happened, but I remember like a moment or a few moments that like stuck out to me, realizing that things were pretty different. And that was like, you talk about, you know, at least in, in my case, going through pretty heavy treatment. And then, you know, you start to kind of reintegrate back into the world and you start seeing your friends again, you know, you get back to a little bit of how you were previously living. And I remember there were like certain people that I was like, wow, I really get along with this person now. And there were certain people that maybe I was like a little bit closer with that I felt a little bit more distance. It was like, hmm, I don't really have as much in common with this person now. And it was just those changing relationships, both good and bad, that I was like, oh, okay, things are different now. Like I am different because in, in a lot of ways, I think, you know, the rest of the world keeps moving and you feel like you stopped for a bit. So when you join back in, you kind of notice like, yeah. Some of these relationships are, are different, and I'm probably a big part of why. For me, I um, I made jokes about it first month when I was getting diagnosed because I had rectal cancer. So when I tell people, I tell them all the butt jokes and all the poop jokes, and what are they going to say because I had butt cancer? Um, and then I remember going into my first chemo, it's like, oh, this is real. And then like I think by the time I got to round four or five, uh, I was trying to do some yard work and I guess I gained some weight, you know, like four or five rounds of chemo in, starting to feel the side effects. And like, I just remember trying to mow the yard or do something in the garage. And it's like, I was getting out of breath. I'm like, I can normally do these things. Like, this is crap. It's like, I'm like, then I got really frustrated because it's like physically my heart rate was starting to go up and it's like, I was getting a little winded. I'm like, this is garbage. And I was kind of like, okay, just got to accept this is what it is at this point. We'll deal with the rest later. I think for me, it, really hit me probably after I finished treatment and whenever I was recovering from surgery. But then like the whole grieving process started. And I think I finally got through like the anger of it maybe like six months ago. It's been over three years since I was diagnosed. So yeah, you have to go through all those stages of grief for sure. Seeing the changes in your your friendships, relationships was also like something that you had to tend to. And that was part of the process of grieving as well. Taylor here. So for me, like I said, I was 15. So I was sophomore in high school and I was for school. I was put on homebound tutoring. So um, a substitute teacher would come to the house and basically teach me all my classes. I did all the work. Like I think forced to accept that I had cancer because like I was a minor, like there wasn't anything I was going to be able to do. Like my mom's like, okay, you got to get up, go to chemo now. I guess I kind of like accepted that. But then I realized probably closer to the end of the school year that other people were, and specifically teachers were seeing me differently. And they were just expecting that because I had cancer, I was just going to let all my score go and I would just repeat the grade. And that's, I think that's when I realized that I may not have seen myself as anything different. Like I was still the hard worker. I was still doing everything in my power to do what I need to do, but other people were seeing me differently. And I think that might be when I really realized that I had cancer and that like other people knew or they thought they knew what was supposed to happen to me. And that was probably, that was probably one of the hardest things, just knowing that other people, I guess, were expecting me to react a certain way. And that made me realize, yeah, I actually have cancer. And it was probably, it was the most frustrating thing ever because I was like, I'm doing everything in my power that I can. I'm doing all my work. I'm getting an in 
as soon as I can, like when I'm not in the hospital, I'm doing my, or even when I was in the hospital, I was doing my work. Yet the teachers just were basically going to give up on me. And I think that was one of the hardest things to accept. I mean, I didn't let them give up on me. My mom didn't either. I finished all my work, made it to the next grade with the rest of my class. But I think that was one of the hardest times because I realized that people saw me as someone who had cancer and not who was who I thought I was. Thank you for sharing that, Kayla. I just, I wasn't in school and I had just started work when I started going through cancer treatment. So I can't imagine, you know, it seems like you were just working as hard as you could to keep your same, the way that people look at you to be the same. And then it didn't matter how hard you tried, they still saw you differently. And that must have really sucked. But I appreciate you sharing that. So this this whole sentiment of of like moving down the road and having to like accept that, you know, having to move my for like for me, I feel like it was more of a like the one path is blocked. It's more a matter of cancer just kind of like instead of like pushing you down another path, it's just like it creates this obstacle. Having to move past that obstacle. Because for me, like being diagnosed at 20, after, like after your sophomore year of college, it's like I haven't had, having already transferred schools, it was like I didn't have any many college friends to lean on for a long time. Like even people at the, when I transferred to UNT, it was people that I knew at high school, wasn't friends with them, but building those friendships. And it was a lot of it was just trying to draw back from whatever I had in high school and kind of almost refusing to to move forward almost like an inner need to kind of like want to go back and reset from from high school and for me i guess it was i mean this the support group itself was kind of like gave me the the resources or just the the friendships in general to to move forward like i met roberto and and katie and rachel and like becoming a committee of that it gave me kind of like a something to kind of step forward on and it gave me the capability of making friends that, you know, aren't people I, I knew from high school, finally being able to like move out on my own after living with my dad because of treatment for like next month, I'll be moving out on my own. So it's, it's been, a, it's been a gradual thing. It's how I agree with Casey. It wasn't really one moment where it was like, oh, that's when I move forward. It's very much a moving slowly past the, the obstacles that cancer puts in place. Kind of sounds like I kind of, when we wrote that question initially, thank you for sharing, Sam. I kind of thought, we kind of thought maybe there'd be like very clear timelines, but to your point, to everyone's point, it kind of sounds like it wasn't just a moment. It's a series of moments and, you know, constant reminders throughout the course of our lives, not just any one thing. Honestly, I thought that was, might be a slightly not very open-ended question, but you guys have proved that to not be the case. So thank you all for sharing. That was that was great. Maybe any final words on advice? I was just going to put in the note that I, I'm just so proud of this conversation, this showing up with such vulnerability and in, in coming together as a group to explore these topics. And just can't thank everybody enough for your genuineness uh, tonight. Just really, really uh, a wonderful conversation. And I echo that. I think closing thoughts for on my end. You never know how your story is going to impact someone else. And you never know how being vulnerable is going to help yourself. It has been a breath of fresh air to be vulnerable and to hear people being vulnerable 
talk about things that everyone you can't talk about with. And I've said that before in, in our previous support groups. So um, I encourage you all to continue to be vulnerable because your story can inspire someone else who thinks that their story, that they can't get to the end of their, their journey in their story. I just wanted to say that means a lot. It's nice being in a community of of your peers and feeling like that you're heard and that your story is important. Thanks everyone for coming. And yeah, I appreciate everyone sharing. I'm a sharer. You know, you will know everything about me if you want. I just think that sharing is like a common human thing that we don't do enough. And I think it really brings people together and makes people more comfortable, especially because the world is scary. And yeah. The one thing that I guess I was kind of thinking of, it's not just here in Texas. When I first got involved with this group over two years ago, uh, when I walked into our first meeting, I met five other people that had been affected by cancer. And it felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders, connecting with people that had a similar experience to me to Elgris Point that I could connect with and share things with that as much as I loved other people that they couldn't quite understand, but these people could. So I'm thankful for opportunities for both of these groups to have the chance for everyone to come together and talk and share and be vulnerable because I don't like being vulnerable. But every time I'm around this group, I try to be, and it's always a very fulfilling thing to be able to share support and receive support. And if I, if I can just pop in just one quick thing, I want to share Kayla's uh, love of, of writing because sharing can be difficult. It is something you have to, so if you have a hard time sharing your story, it's completely understandable. Write it out. Because you find new things about yourself when you just start writing, because it's it becomes a, both a thought provoking and mindless task. Where before you know it, you've learned five things about yourself and your philosophies on life. Thanks for listening to Life on Pause. Ideas or suggestions for future episodes? Feel free to share them with us. Join us for the next recording on the third Tuesday of the month. Until, Until next time. time.